Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. In a sudden flash, it all comes clear. It's a eureka moment, an epiphany. Hi, I'm Marcus Smith, host of the Constant Wonder Podcast. The world offers marvel, meaning, and mystery around every single corner. In nature, art, science, culture, history, we talk everything from bees and beetles to obelisks and asteroids. Experience the thrill of transformative encounter. We'll bring more wonder to your day. Listen to Constant Wonder wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to another episode of History Hack. I say this every day, but Alina is so excited today. Alina, who's here? Today we are very excited. We finally found a historian to cover a subject that Alex and I have been absolutely dying to talk about. So with us today we have Hannah Pringle, who is a historian and researcher specialising in witchcraft in the 17th century. She also runs a very successful blog and works alongside historical and non-historical authors. Hi Hannah. Hi, you okay? Yeah, we're so excited to have you on to talk about witchcraft. We've been dying to talk about it. We were looking and searching and then I finally found you. Thanks for having me. It's it's fate. I think it's fate. She's literally so excited. So let's start before Alina implodes. Can you define witchcraft for us in 17th century England? I feel like you think it's an easy thing to define. It's not quite so simple. (laughs) Sorry, Um, I've just kind of like dunked you right in. I was going to say, let's start with the simple ones. No, let's start with the most difficult question of all. Let's define (laughs) the witchcraft. (laughs) Um... Yeah, well, it's quite a difficult one to define, but if if I could just sum it up, I'd say it's more of like a a tool, I guess, used um, in early modern society to kind of control social expectations and the role that people have in society. And I'm going to ask you, go a little bit deeper. I want to know a little bit deeper about witchcraft in the 17th century and its definition. Okay, so... If you're looking at, I guess it's easy to do, use like an example. So if someone was accused of witchcraft, they might not necessarily be known as a healer to a community. It might not necessarily be magic. It could be that they've been accused of witchcraft because they've had some involvement in someone becoming sick or some cattle dying or something, something like that, that they've become like involved in somehow so it could just be like disagreements with neighbors or something like that and they'd be like oh this is unexplainable I don't know what this is it must be magic um I'm gonna say that it's the healer that I've heard of so that's kind of how witchcraft accusations took place and I guess that's kind of summing it up I hope (laughs) no 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 it's great you know what I'm kind of thinking Alex I don't like you therefore you are now a witch yeah (laughs) i'm just now thinking of all the things i could turn you into (laughs) that simple that is that simplistic so tell us who well who was a witch so typically people that are living on the outskirts of society people that had some sort of vulnerability whether that was age gender and illness it's essentially people that were labeled powerless i guess so you have this stereotypical witch which is one that everyone's familiar with so it's your typical witch of like Halloween so it'll be like an old like haggard looking woman that had a cat or like flew on a broom and all these kind of characteristics that you associate with 
a witch on Halloween is typically what a witch was in early modern society. So we find that like more often than not, um, it ran in families. So if one member of a family was accused of witchcraft, people would also turn to say their daughters or sisters or all these other people that were involved with them that were close to them would also be accused of witchcraft because they'd be like, well, you can't really know about this. Like if you're that close, you must also be a witch. Do you know what? I, I kind of don't really want to be living in this time period if people are being accused of witchcraft just because, you know, something so simplistic. Yeah, it's just, I think a lot of it's all like coincidences and something that's so simple, just not, you can't explain it. The natural reaction was to be, oh, this must be magic, this must be a witch that's causing these problems. But it could, it could just be anybody. And it wasn't, it wasn't just limited to people on the outskirts of society, even though they were the primary target, I guess. Like, as it develops, especially in other places in Europe, you see it become more, like, politically charged. So it's not just the people that are low down in society, it's people that have high up political positions, that they could use witchcraft as a way of getting their role or different bits like that. That's really interesting because that's what you just think. You think that they were at the bottom of society and they were just a nobody. So, yeah, let's let's get rid of my neighbour. I don't like her or my cow died, like you said. You know, therefore, my neighbour cursed my cow because she doesn't like me. But I didn't realise it could go that high up in society. Yeah, in, when you're looking at England, it's typical for um, those accused to be on the outskirts of society especially when you look at like the Pendle witches who were ran by like a matriarch it's it's the people that kind of go against social expectations I guess and the role that women and men were supposed to play in society and you even even pulls into factors such as religion because there's a whole um upheaval about that as well. How do they actually go about digging out a witch? So as, as we spoke about before, it's, it mainly comes from just neighbours that are just losing cattle or someone in their family has died or something and they would accuse somebody of witchcraft. It could just be that they've gone to somebody for help because they know that in the community there's healers and if the healers weren't successful, then they'd blame them for cursing the individual that was sick. You have all these sort of different elements of finding witches. So you briefly mentioned, literally like moments ago, the Pendle witches. Who were these women? I'm assuming women, just to to throw that one in. I'm assuming they are women. Well, actually, yeah. So the Pendle witches, there were 12 individuals, but two of them were actually men, which I think is overlooked by a lot of people. And it's not purposely done. It's just a lot of... A lot of the witches that were accused were women. Um, But it is interesting to note that two of them were men. Um, So they were located in Pendle and they were, the head of the family was Elizabeth Southerns and her um, neighbour Anne Whittle was also pulled into these accusations alongside other members of the community that had some sort of involvement with Elizabeth. And it even stretches to Janet Preston, who was... um, a resident of Gisborne at the time. So we have like all these different, kind of like a web, I guess. It all starts with one person, which was Elizabeth Southerns. 
and then it kind of spirals down. How does it get to the point where these people are arrested? So before 1604, there was a divide between white and black magic, but with King James, he got rid of that distinction and you just have all witchcraft with Maleficia. So that's kind of how this started because you obviously can't just know about healers and go to them for help and then all of a sudden not know about them or think that they're still good because they're bad now. If that makes any sort of sense. (laughs) No, 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 totally. No, that makes complete sense. But I didn't even realise that there was a difference between, at that point, between white and dark magic. So, yeah, so there was before um, King James... Um, came to the throne in England because he was a very paranoid and anxious king and he had a very like strong distaste for witchcraft so after that point all witchcraft was bad witchcraft so that's kind of where we get um, the Pender witches because Elizabeth the Southerns is, is a very old lady and she's obviously been in the community for a really long time and people have been going to her for help for different things But now all of a sudden, when you have like problems, you're like, oh, well, it must be her then because you've got this idea that everybody's telling you that witchcraft is bad or witchcraft is bad magic. So it started really on um, the 18th of March in 1612. So Alison Device was Demdike's granddaughter and she was accused of cursing a peddler, on Law from Halifax. So she was out and, of course, because they... They were ran by a woman in the family. They didn't have that male figure to go out and get money and finance the family. So they ended up turning to all sorts of different things like begging and all like little bits like that. So she asked John Law for pins and he refused to give her any. So as he started to walk off, what we now know is that he suffered a stroke. But of course, like, even even now, like if someone doesn't do something, you're like, oh, great. Like you whisper like under your breath and I think that's what she did. And it just coincided with him falling and she truly believed that she'd cursed this man and that it was her fault that he'd fallen and she just couldn't really explain it. Like she had this belief that she was actually a witch. So that's what kind of sparked all the accusations. I feel really sorry for her right now. Like... You, like you said, you make that comment under your breath, oh, fuck, you know, stupid person. And then suddenly they kind of like drop from a stroke or a heart attack or something. And you're like, ah, okay. Yeah, it's hard, isn't it? You're kind of like, oh, was that me? Like, was that my fault? Especially when she's in a family that of healers and that people are always calling them witches. And I feel like if someone tells you something enough, you start to believe it. And I think that's what happened with her. And let's talk about the trial. What happens? So it followed. Um, so there was the event with Alison Device. And then the next one um, was an event at Malkin Tower, which took place on Good Friday, which is also a time where they were supposed to be in church. And this all coincides at the same time as when people were supposed to take a record of who was attending church and who wasn't. And especially on Good Friday, like it really wasn't good that they didn't go. So that's kind of how everybody else got pulled into it. And they all got arrested and were held in Lancaster Castle while they were awaiting trial. 
And due to the horrific conditions and the age of Elizabeth Southerns, she actually died awaiting trial, but all the rest were tried um, in August of 1612. So the trial is actually a really interesting one because it all centres around the testimony of Janet Device, who was the youngest member of the Device family. She was only nine when she testified against her family in court. So the Pendle Witch Trials are unique in this sense, as they were the first trials to enable a child to testify. But due to a statement made by King James in his demonology text, um, child witnesses were sufficient in matters of high treason against God. So she was able to be classified as a credible witness. And it essentially resulted in her whole entire family being found guilty and hanged of witchcraft. Wow. I mean, did she, obviously it's a really silly question, but do you think she knew what she was doing or was she manipulated into it? I think it's hard to say because you have Thomas Potts who was the court clerk and that that's the main source for these trials that we have. So you have him and you have Roger Knoll who's the magistrate and it's hard to know whether she was kind of fed all these different things and then she's kind of been like, oh, well, they are they are witches. Or maybe she was just a young girl that was angry at her family because she'd fallen out with them for something and she didn't understand the, the true extent of what she was saying. Wow. I think it, it's one of them questions. It's one of them ones that you, you're never really going to know. I mean, we're going to do some myth-busting later. Yeah. I'm not going to ask you the question now. So we'll leave the method of execution for now. So I know we're going to go further on. I'm going to talk about it in a bit. <laughs> because however much I'm dying to know more about it, we're going to move on to um, another group of witches that you spoke about, uh, the mm-hmm. East Anglia witches. So who were they? So the East Anglia witch trials were the biggest ones to take place in England. So they happened after the Pendle witch trials. So the Pendle witches happened in 1612 and the East Anglia witch trials took place between 1644 and 1647. So the records for them are quite difficult to find. Like I've not been able to come across so many, whereas Thomas Potts is really easy, sums it all up in a document for the Pendle trials. But from what I've gathered, the starting point for these um, trials took place in Manningtree in Essex. So the first accusation came from John Rivet, whose wife was sick and he consulted a cunning woman who he knew in the family, um, in the community, sorry, to help his family. But of course it, it didn't work and his wife got worse. She got more sick and his natural reaction was, it must be you, you must have cursed her, you didn't heal her. So that's kind of where it started. So the woman was called Elizabeth Clark. And she faced an interrogation by Matthew Hopkins. So Matthew Hopkins is kind of a famous character, I guess, when it comes to witchcraft. I feel like he's the one that most people tend to know. Um, he he titled himself the Witchfinder General, which I think is quite disturbing. <laughs> You've got to question the acceptability of naming yourself the Witchfinder General. Surely you realise that everyone else is going to think you are a complete knob. It really is. <laughs> so he took it upon himself to kind of rid the society of sin, I guess, in a way. He looked for witches and he didn't actually have any 
authority, I guess. He couldn't he couldn't actually try witches, but he gathered all the evidence that they'd need to be tried of witchcraft. So he um because of the interrogation, he kind of he got around the law against torture because in England witches weren't allowed to be tortured, which is different in other places in Europe. But in England, Hopkins used this kind of interrogation technique, which is where he used psychological torture to gain a confession. Oh, he's just a dirtbag. It's I I don't even know why he did it. Like. I don't know if it was just for finance or whether he truly believed that he was helping or whether he just wanted to kill people. Like, you don't know. What was this method of torture? Do you know? This right here, this kind of question, is why we don't have boyfriends. (laughs) So for him to find, um, well, for him to gain, like, a confession, I guess, he used to examine... He used to get um, women to strip naked and he'd examine the body for any signs of the devil. So it could be like witch's marks, which could have been like moles or even like freckles, a birthmark, um, any sort of any sort of like feature, I guess, that wasn't typical. He would use as a sign of the devil. So he'd do that. He'd also observe women for a really long time um to make them tired to see if any familiars um which could have been like any sort of animal like a dog a cat a rat um a horse like any anything if they would appear to them because to him that was a sign of the devil and on top of that he got worse and he would make people um continuously walk around and he'd do it for days and he'd exhaust the people that were accused of witchcraft so in the end they'd just say okay fine like I'm a witch um and then he had all he needed he sounds like a pervert observing women for hours on end I mean that's just so wrong there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Yeah, it, it is. And it's it's hard to like think about really like when you look at it because it was psychological torture, but he was he made them even more vulnerable because you have someone that was already feeling vulnerable and alone have this man come and say, you're a witch. 
and then they were stripped naked. But it's important to note that he also had the help of a woman um, called Mary that also helped him do that. He's just a knob. How did the arrest come about? Well, it start so it started with Elizabeth Clark that was ex that was um accused, sorry. And then the more they talk to people, the more other people get uh pulled into it all. It's kind of like the whole web. So what we have is Elizabeth Clark confessed after four days of torture and she named somebody called Rebecca West. So Rebecca West was then tortured. And she provided evidence against her mother and a few other witches. And in return for her compliance with the judges, she was given a lighter charge of entertaining spirits, whereas all the others were executed for witchcraft or conspiring to murder um, a baby, raising evil spirits. So it doesn't, it doesn't just stop with one. When one person's accused, it spirals and other people are pulled into that. Again, you're making me really speechless through this. <laughs> it's uh, I can't imagine going through that, you know, being tortured and then giving up your family, your mother, you know. But unfortunately, if you if you look at the modern times where, you know, the, the work that I deal with, you know, it, women are, I'm sorry to say, ladies, we are the weaker sex and we do go, we do give up a lot quicker. It, yeah, it's hard as well, especially when they go for like, there seems to be like a trend with them going to younger people, you know, like the children, and getting them to confess. It, it It's hard, isn't it? Like, I don't know if they thought in their heads, like, oh, you know what, like, if we go for this person, they'll crack. Like, that, they'll give us loads of other names. Do they get a trial? They do, yeah. So, as I said before, Hopkins was kind of just self-appointed. He didn't actually have the ability to try these people he just he received payment so he te- he received one pound um for every witch hanged which in 2017 worked out at 117 pounds 55 per woman or per woman per witch i can see the drive of him trying to get some money and kill someone along the way yeah so we have that and then when it goes past him and it actually goes to trial. The Manning Tree Witches were held in Colchester Castle for two months before being transferred to Chelmsford to stand trial. Um, And that's just how it went, really. There's a lot more... There's a lot of people that were tried and executed in the East Anglia witch hunts. Um, Matthew Hopkins is said to have been responsible for, like, 90%, I think, of of the witchcraft executions in England. But it's hard because there's so many people, like, I don't think there's records for all of them. So how does the prosecution of witchcraft change over the course of the 17th century? So as, as I mentioned before, King James was very paranoid. He, he was always cautious of conspiracies, especially after the gunpowder plot. He kind of was very wary of witches and he just, he really didn't like them. So we have this really strong anti-witch um drive i guess under king james's reign but then as the civil wars happened in the 1640s um it increased this fuel like this drive to find witches and accuse witches which i think is why 
Matthew Hopkins kind of found his in in that period because there was other things going on, especially with the pamphlet wars and everything with the Civil War. Um, it was a lot easier for him to weave his way in. So we have that very like concentrated period where witchcraft accusations went crazy. And then as the country begins to stabilise with King Charles II in 1660, they begin to taper off. And then in, 70, in 1736, the Witchcraft Act was, Act was repealed under um, King George II. So it was no longer um, a crime. You couldn't be punishable by death. You have an incredible amount of sources. I mean, it's amazing the stuff that you find. I want to know, where do you, I mean, being obviously a historian, we all want to know, I can hear the historians screaming. Tell us where you get your sources. So please do. Um, I love looking at like popular cultures. I do gravitate towards like chat books and woodcuts and things like that. Um, it's fun to look at how, the images have changed over time. So that's what I love looking at, like the representations. So it's really cool to see how the images all shift and even how like witches are represented on TV. Because you've got all like really cool um, like TV series like American Horror Story and even like Bewitched. Um, so you've got all of them, which I love looking at. But I also love looking at like early English books online and 18th century texts, which are really good to find all the like booklets, like Thomas Potts's uh, Wonderful Discovery of Witchcraft and all, all these different things. But for more like the public domain, I guess, the Old Bailey is really great. But I, I struggle with that because of the period that it covers. It, it covers like the end of my period. Um, so I hit a bit of a wall with that. But yeah. It's a good one to look at and for if anyone's wanting to look at them and doesn't have access to resources then I'd recommend going on um, the Gutenberg Press online because you can find lots of stuff on that and even the British Library, their online catalogue's great. I've got to say I agree with you about the American Horror Story. I think that was one of my favourite uh, series is, uh, about the witches and then obviously I don't know if you've watched the last season. Did you watch the last season? I haven't now. I've only actually watched um, the Coven season. I haven't seen any of the others. Oh no! You need to watch the last one because they all, all of the, all of them overlap each other. And yes, the witch has come up, and it's brilliant, and I love it. So I don't care what anyone says out there. You can hate me for liking it, but I love it. But listen, <laughs> I think we should do some myth busting. Myth busting. Gosh, can't speak today. Only because when we chatted, I started throwing some stuff out there, and you were just like. What is wrong with you? <laughs> what is this? I bet, I bet you thought worse things about me, but it's okay because you're now going to explain these things to me and everybody else who probably thinks they're true. So okay. I think let's start with the first one. So, <laughs> which obviously I need to know. I need to know more about this. So first of all, how were they killed and were they burnt at the stake? Don't hate me. Go. <laughs> um, okay. So witches in England weren't burnt at the stake they were hanged and it's such a common misconception and I don't I don't know where it comes from I don't know if it's because of the way they are portrayed on tv and film but there's just this this thing in people that they assume that they were burnt at the stake but they wasn't um the witches were hanged oh well that's kind of a bit of a slap in the face really isn't it I know. I mean, they were burned in other places of um, Europe, especially when you look at Germany. Like, Germany was horrific for witchcraft. 
I think we're going to have to talk about Germany at some stage because that kind of sounds really interesting. It is. They have, um, it's, it's a lot more brutal. Um, like their torture methods and things because you weren't allowed to torture witches in England, which I, like it goes like psychological torture is as far as it got really. But whereas when you're looking in like Germany, they use a lot of other um, like torture devices and things. Is that like the uh, the one where they stick them in the river and see if they sink to the bottom or something? Oh, okay. No, that's that's um, ducking. So that was actually something that Matthew Hopkins did use. So what he did was the idea was if you floated, then you were a witch. So he dressed them in some sort of gown, <laughs> and he would. It, it's ridiculous, isn't it? Um, he would tie them in like a rope, but he did it strategically so they'd create like air pockets when they were put under the water. So they'd float, but obviously not everybody would have floated. Um, a lot of people probably did die through that. Oh my God. I can't, I can't believe these stupid things. Like, oh, if you have a slightly red nose, you're a witch. You know, I mean, obviously, we, from the modern perspective, it's very difficult to understand back in those days how it truly was, but it just sounds so ridiculous now. I know it is. It's just all little things that you just can't explain. But, like, especially with the ducking thing, like, oh, great, well, you didn't float, but, like, you also drowned, but you're not a witch. It's fine. It just is not logical. I just, I don't understand where it came from. So if you die, that's okay. You've died and gone to heaven, but you know, you're yeah, not a witch not anymore. Right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Hit me, hits hit you with another one. Okay. All witches are women. They were not all women. Sorry. So you, we've got, um, a lot of people just think that all the witches that were accused were women and a lot of them were women. Like there's no arguing that there was definitely a bias towards women, but we do also have men that were involved. Um, and I think if you're saying that like all women were witches, uh, it's hard. It's hard to answer that one because I think it it goes a lot deeper than that because you have the whole idea of different sexes and the unknown about the physical like female body and all these different questions that they would have thought about okay. I just don't know where all these like these misconceptions come from I think you know we all get it from our time periods really um I have really stupid ones that obviously I'm not going to discuss because this is your program not mine um and stupid misconceptions and you kind of like well, where, where did you come up with that you know it's I think it just starts off with a simple rumor or you know, and it just gets spread on and on and on. Or somebody created, like Frankenstein, for example, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, that, that, that did a lot of things for the kind of mystic, I guess, world in a way. Or Dracula, yeah. for example. You know, was, was there really, you know, a man who sucked the blood out of people? I mean, you know, little myths and things. I think you're, you're stuck with battling more myths than we are, basically, because it's so far back in history. I love looking at... Um like folklore and folk tales and stuff because it's really cool how how they do change and how some of them just remain the same like you still have that same structure that's like traveled through so many years that mm. still withstands all the little changes made to it like I love stripping them back and trying to figure out like what's come from where and who's added what 
Okay, yeah. let's hit, hit you with another one just for fun. Yeah. Ready for the statement? Yeah. Once accused, a witch had no chance of proving his or her innocence. Oh, I agree with this one. So, an accusation of witchcraft, it was extremely damaging to someone's reputation. And it's something that just couldn't, it couldn't be shifted. Like, once you're accused of witchcraft, people would always view you with that, oh, but you could possibly be a witch. Um, so we see that with Janet Device, who was the nine-year-old that testified against her family in the Pendle trials. She actually faced an accusation in 1634 um, for witchcraft. And it's possible to think that maybe because she was related to that family and because she had that connection, that people thought were more quick to believe an accusation against her. Okay, let's try the last one. So King James I was terrified of witches and was responsible for their hunting and executions. Yeah, so yeah, this, this was particularly true in England. But it, it wasn't so much that he was terrified of witches, it was more that he was afraid of conspiracy and what witchcraft represented in 17th century society. So he was on edge following the gunpowder plot in 1605 and he came to the English throne following an altercation with the North Berwick witches in Scotland. So all of this kind of fueled his paranoia and he just took that with him when he came to England and when he was king. And it's the same with anything, like they're very influential. So their ideas would have filtered down into society and people that would have wanted patronage from the king, particularly Thomas Potts, who was the court clerk um, in the Pendle trials, they would have wanted recognition and they're more likely to go after witches, I guess, because that's what King James didn't like as a way of being recognised and, yeah. Hannah? That was absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much <laughs> You're very for coming well. and joining and telling us this this overview because everybody's got it so stuck in their minds that, you know, witches were burned at the stake and all sorts of different things and they were tortured and this, that and the other. But in England, it was something completely different. And yep. thank you for giving us this beautiful overview. You're very welcome. I hope it didn't overwhelm you with information. <laughs> no, you are welcome to come and chat to us anytime. So thank you so much. Thank you. Join us tomorrow when Owen Staten returns. You may remember him from his epic performance on Down the Pub when he stole everybody's vote for the greatest British battle ever, telling us about the Battle of Hastings. He's back to talk Welsh folklore. He's going to give us an overview and then just basically sit back while he tells you a brilliant story. It's cemented my view that Welsh people are basically all mad, but still highly entertaining. Don't forget, you can become a patron of History Hack for as little as a dollar a month. Just go to www.historyhack.podbean.com. It will help us keep going in the aftermath of the coronavirus and we would really appreciate it as we would love to do so.